the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. True North, on AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer. Saturday mornings at 8 or via podcast anytime. Now, let's get into it with your host, Dirk Hobbs. Good Saturday morning, Southern Colorado. Welcome to True North. I am your host, Dirk Hobbs. Thank you for joining us on this Saturday, August 12th, 2023. It is a fair and going to be warm day. Glad you're with us. Uh, We have an absolutely extraordinary story. So I want you to buckle in this morning. And we're going to meet Carlos and Valentina Figueroa. And uh, this this story is going to blow your mind uh, because they have been... Uh, th- this is almost a movie script. Almost. Almost. Yes. Yes. So, um, I mean, it is, it is really an exceptional story of victory over violence and vices. And um, it's a story that is featured in this edition of North Magazine. If you're unfamiliar with North Magazine, you can get it for free in your mailbox or in your inbox at home. You just go to coloradomediagroup.com forward slash subscribe and i will send you one at no charge and you will read things like how we're reintroducing mayor yemi mobilade who is on our current cover and we get to have a very frank and candid conversation with yemi mayor yemi and uh he's just very transparent uh, about the election and about how he sees the opportunities lying before us here in Southern Colorado, and particularly our home city of Colorado Springs. So take a look at it. And uh, we separate a little bit of fact from fiction. Uh, There was a lot of mudslinging going on during this last election. And um, he actually has wrapped his arms around those that were throwing a little bit of mud at him. And so Wayne Williams, who is a mayoral candidate, he... um, he, he's actually, uh, Yemi has invited uh, both Wayne and Sally Clark to participate in the city's next chapters. So, um, this is, you know, this is clearly a collaborator, and he wants our city to win. So, uh, take a look at this great article. We get to know him a little bit, separate fact from fiction. But also in these pages, uh, we have an incredible story of a, a couple that met in California many years ago. And I've gone through what is nothing short uh, of, of something right out of Hollywood. So uh, sit back and listen. Uh, before we jump in and introduce Carlos and Valentina, I want to uh, remind our listeners that you can grab uh, your golf tickets for the Southern Colorado. You know, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of trying to poke a hole in this topic of human trafficking. And uh, subsequently, we've wrapped our arms around a group called Reclaiming Hope. And I've shared with you numerous times that we are um, holding a golf tournament for them. It's called the Ambassadors for Hope Charity Golf Tournament. And I've partnered with the amazing folks over at Colorado Springs Orthopedic Group, uh, CSOG, if you're in the know. 
And uh, we're having a great day. We're going to play hooky on Monday, September 18th over at Flying Horse. we got a 9 a.m. shotgun start, and uh, it, it's just going to be a great day. So we got a few slots left. Uh, if you want to sponsor, get out there in front of this, help Reclaiming Hope do what they do best, which is catch people falling out of human trafficking and help them with their first steps back into civilian life. And it's a wonderful, wonderful endeavor, and I want us to get behind it. So please get behind it with us. Uh, You can check it out at ambassadorsforhopecos.com. Register for the tournament, get out and play hooky, and also support a great cause. We're going to feed you twice, breakfast, an amazing breakfast. No shortcuts here, folks. An amazing breakfast and an amazing lunch. And uh, and then we're going to throw some money at Reclaiming Hope so they can help out. All right, uh, September 5th, we're launching the Southern Colorado Business Forum and Digest. This is a true business-to-business and economic development publication, and we are excited to start reintroducing the business community to itself and then showcase Southern Colorado's economic prowess to the world because we are in fuego, ladies and gentlemen. We are an awesome place to live. We've got amazing industries, and hey, Spacecom is home in Colorado Springs, and uh, this is great news for all of us. And uh, we're not we're not going to Alabama, and I bet uh, about a thousand people were holding their breath, hoping they would not have to go to Alabama. Now, Alabama is a beautiful state. Don't miss don't misread me. I I went to school at Ole Miss. I had a lot of friends from Tuscaloosa and all points in between in the southeast. I grew up in the southeast, so I uh, love it, but. If I had to pick Colorado Springs or the Southeast, I'm coming home to Colorado Springs. So, all right, let's jump in. Uh, let's get to know Carlos and Valentina Figueroa. Uh, these folks own a, a store here in town. But before we go there, I do want to just let you hear a little bit about them, and we're going to get into their story. Carlos, welcome to this. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you, Dirk. Appreciate it. Glad you're here, and Valentina, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> So Valentina is a little bashful, but we're going to get her to talk because she has an absolutely gorgeous accent. Uh, so anyway, tell us about who you are and why, why we're sitting in front of you today, because you've got an amazing story. So again, my name is Carlos Figueroa. Um, I ended up here in Colorado Springs, this beautiful place through the Army, um, okay. ended up staying after 2012, but there's a whole story behind that. Yep. Um, Start us in California. So in California, I was um, born and raised um, for about 14 years of my life in San Jose. And then due to the, some of the gangs down there, we ended up moving to Northern California, Paradise, Chico area. Okay. And um, just was a normal boy hanging, you know, doing boy stuff. And uh, I ended up getting, I grew up in a single family, uh, single parent home. Mm-hmm. My mom was always working and... Um, I ended up having to help raise my brothers and sisters. Yeah. And, you know, I was in, got into some stuff as a kid, as most kids do. And we, um, my mom wasn't around. So I never had a, a, an influence at the house. I kind of raised myself and, mm-hmm. and then, um, got into bodybuilding when I was 15. Yep. And did my first show when I was 16. And, um, that was doing, going great. Um, but it was still, I feel like I was still missing something. I don't know. Just life. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing in my life. Just a void. Yeah. And then um, when I turned 19, uh, a gentleman, friend of mine came to me and 
pretty much persuaded me to go to a foreign country, a Latin American country. And mm-hmm. um, I was kind of promised some things as far as lifestyle, lavish lifestyle, mm-hmm. money, and all the girls you can get. Sure. You know, it was uh, kind of like the Pinocchio story. <laughs> uh, never, never land, or whatever that's called. <laughs> well, and if, you, if you're a young guy, I mean, of course, that, that sounds alluring. Yeah. And so it was, it was alluring. Um, I get down there, and um, like I told you know this to some other people, I, I was kind of tricked into it to going down there. Yeah. And uh, when we got down there, it was pretty much organized crime mm-hmm. that we were involved in. I I was so lost. I was such a naive young man. I was nineteen years old. I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a good thing to do, mm-hmm. and so I got involved in it pretty deep and. Was there for a couple years, and um, I just, I just, I don't know. I just, I just, I knew something that was wrong because mm-hmm. I was raised in a Christian home, but I was always pushed pushing away from from the Lord. Sure, and I just knew I was doing something wrong, but I just, I had those chains over me, and I just kept uh, doing what I was doing until I met a girl down there <laughs> by the name of Valentina, <laughs> and. We ended up hitting it off, and um, she was in a troubled place as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were both doing some pretty pretty bad stuff, um, and it wasn't until I think the fourth year, third year we were together, uh, she ended up getting pregnant, mm-hmm. and that was that was when things started to change. I noticed the friends started going away; they didn't want anything to do with me. Mm-hmm. They started pushing us away, and the money started leaving. And so all we can really do at that point was um, do something that I never thought I would have to do. It involved kidnapping and some very severe things to get nasty stuff, huh? just to get get money to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, as we're sitting there and on the beach, uh, we're going to do pull this job off. Um, I was laying down. My girlfriend at the time, Valentina, who's next to me, mm-hmm. uh, she was sleeping and. My daughter that was in her stomach was about nine, almost nine months. Wow. About ready, a couple weeks to to go. And I sit down and I just had this feeling to lay my hand on her stomach. And all of a sudden, I feel this punch in my hand. And I'm like, what in the world is that? (laughs) And I felt this overwhelming feeling to just go reach into the drawer and grab that Bible. And I opened up that Bible. And I just felt like something was telling me, call your mom, get home. You got to fix this. Don't do this. Because pretty much I knew, I didn't know what it was then. I know what it is now. It was the Holy Spirit telling me, you're going to die doing this or you're going to jail forever. Wow. So I ended up not doing it. Um, Got back home. Um, June 24th, I get back to Gilroy, California, and a man by the name of Donnie Moore was speaking in a Gilroy church. And um, he was a minister from the Radical Reality. Uh, it was a feats of strength group that traveled around ministering to, to young young adults and people in the church mm-hmm. and high schools. And anyhow, he led me to, the, to, to Christ that day. And uh, that was June 24th. And I remember things just starting to get better and better from there. Yep. And my, well, I want to stop you there because we got to take a break. But um, I, wa- I want to go back to Columbia for a little while and get to know kind of the the darkness uh, for a minute because the transition that you got, I mean, the the transition you went from darkness to light, 
is absolutely phenomenal, and I think I, I don't want to uh, just just gloss over that because you guys were in a dark spot for a little while because yes. you were about to do some stuff you would have regretted for the rest of your life. Yes, and so uh, I want to make sure people understand that we're here with Carlos and Valentina Figueroa. Uh, they have an extraordinary story, folks. Stay tuned uh, as we come back here with True North. I got a nightmare phone call that no parent wants to receive. Someone hit me going 60 miles an hour. Dr. Ramos uh, came highly recommended. When I showed him the x-rays, he immediately knew exactly what was wrong. We've had a tremendous experience with Ramos Law. Really, I could not be happier. Having the car accident was an accident. Finding Ramos Law was no accident. Injured in a car accident? Ramos Law can help. RamosLaw.com. All right, we're back, Southern Colorado, uh, sitting in front of Carlos and Valentina Figueroa. And, um, you know, we got an amazing story here. So if you listen to the first quarter, we're, we're starting to get to know Carlos and his journey from California uh, down to Costa Rica and how he kind of got wrapped into some things uh, that definitely would not have uh, spun out well. And uh, some convictions that were laid upon his heart uh, sitting on a beach next to his bride-to-be. Valentina, and uh, that was that was a, a an abrupt message yes. from the Holy Spirit. Oh yeah, that you got on that beach. Before we go there, Carlos, though, I want people to understand the substantial situation that you were in. Because uh, as a nineteen-year-old young man, you know you're you're just following some pretty primitive instincts and survival, and you know the, the allure of money and promises. Uh, so you kind of got wrapped into that. Yes. And um, the folks that unfortunately were stewarding you uh, in Costa Rica, um, they did not have good intentions. No. So unpack a little bit to the degree that you can and want to what that world was like. Um, like I had said before, I was almost tricked into um, going tricked into what we were going to be doing down there. Um but yes, like you said, it's a very dark world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost on the lines of trafficking. Yeah, I, I was, you know, I felt like I was pushed to certain things, do certain things I, like a nineteen-year-old boy, wouldn't normally do. Right. Um, but you know, with growing up with no money and you know, not having any other goals in my life, that's pretty much what happened. And mm-hmm. um, it, you know, it dealt with uh, a lot of money, a lot of um, hurting people. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you're a big kid. Yeah, well, time, it, yeah. it was uh, just hurting people financially as well, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. And it just was a very dark and shady world that I was exposed to at a young age. And yeah. I wish no young person ever know that yeah. in my life. And so, but we were very desperate at the time. Um, we had a, our daughter was on the way mm-hmm. and pretty much without having the Lord in my life and serving the master of this world, which was the devil, mm-hmm. I was willing to do anything. Yeah. And you did. Uh, but then you didn't. Right. One night you're on the beach and you feel something extraordinary. Yes. And that was, that was my, the Lord using my daughter to get my attention because at that point I knew that I had to become someone better for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that God had a plan for me. I never knew that someone could love me so much like God mm-hmm. does. 
and he um, he had plans for me because when I got saved that June twenty four or June twenty fourth in two thousand six, um, he led me to, into other things as well that would mm-hmm. serve a purpose in my life, and he would use me for better things. So we're kind of truncating the story uh, from darkness to light. Mm. So. As best you can recall, Carlos, what were some of the, the key moments besides feeling your daughter in your wife's tummy uh, kick, um, as you described it? Uh, what else were, What else were some of those uh, milestones that transitioned you out of this life? Because you and Valentina were both kind of in this life. Yes. Okay. She and, was on a different spectrum, but yes. Yeah. But you were feeding each other's, and, and, and you had the same need. It was basically to make a living, survive. Right. You know, basic stuff. Exactly. And people forget that. You know, we just see those folks as the bad guys. Right. But there's good guys in the mix there. Right. Uh, that have a heart, that want to break out, that don't want to do this. And you managed to do that. So blessings to the Holy Spirit for touching you and through your daughter that night on the beach. But then there had to be subsequent moments during that journey back and away from that life. So on after that, um, I felt unclean after that, I guess you could say the sure. word for it. I felt dirty. I, I felt used. Um, and those, that was a huge milestone for me was being feeling that way. Yeah. Just, and I got on that plane back to America and I didn't know if I was going to be arrested coming yeah. back in this country. Right. And that was one miracle. So mm-hmm. miracle number one happens, right? Mm-hmm. I am like, okay, well, something's there's something better for me. Number two, I go to this church. This guy, he, yes, he's a pastor, he's an evangelist, but he 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 picked me out of. He kind of picked me out of mm-hmm. the whole church and said, you know, something's wrong with you. Okay. And so I stood up and I raised my hand and I, and I went up to the altar. And, that was number two for me. You know, that was like, all right, confirmation. I need to get my life back in order. Right. And so, and then my daughter being born, Yeah. you know, she was supposed to be born with a cord around her neck. Uh, she was supposed to actually not live and actually had heart issues. Number three, God, she's born and she's totally healed. (laughs) A hundred percent healed baby, little beautiful baby girl, June 26, 2006. So, um, I mean that was it was just one thing after another, yeah. and those were the, like you said the segmental things that happened to me that just made me realize you know what it's time to give my life completely over and not go back to that world That's and amazing. not rely on myself. So, how do you get away from that? I mean, you know, we have this this image that you can't just walk away from the life uh, because you know those bad guys have long memories sometimes, you know. So how do you walk away from that life? So it, it, it was, there was deeper roots, higher levels of people that were involved, but our main, um, our main, I guess you'd say structure was um, just people who didn't, they're kind of in the same boat as I was. Mm-hmm. Even though there were higher levels than me, they didn't know what they were doing either. And they didn't really want to be there. They didn't want to be there. All they do is they saw the money. Mm -hmm. They saw the glamour, the girls, the fun. And it was like like out of of one of those rap videos, you know? And and that's what allured them. But their main, between that structure and the higher ups, there was no real contact to them. It's kind of hard to explain. With the higher ups, yeah. Right. And so we never, 
we were able to kind of walk away or some were mm-hmm. um, penalized for what they've done. Absolutely. So, yeah. And a lot of them are, you know, serving the Lord and they've, a lot of your former constituents mm-hmm. are and serving the Lord they're right doing, now. They're doing great things. That's for the huge, Lord. man. Yeah. So you guys get up here. Valentina, you're in tow. You're, you're along for this journey? Yes. Yeah. You came You came with him back to the States? No. That was a, a miracle because I supposed to wait for almost two years to come here. Mm-hmm. Because you know, I'm from Colombia and my baby born in Costa Rica. So I was supposed to go to Colombia, got my visa mm-hmm. and all the stuff. Sure. And there was a God miracle. I came, I got my visa nine months and I come here when nine months later. Okay. Yeah. Nine months later with her? With her, with my daughter. And that's the first time you saw her? Uh, no, I saw her. I was going, I was going back and forth. You were to going. See her. So you saw her born? Yeah. Okay. And. I didn't see her born. I saw her a couple of days afterwards. Okay. But that, like I said, that was another miracle. I right? heard her coming that quickly because usually it takes a long time to get here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure it does. So then uh, you, you find your way into service for the American military. Uh, yeah. So actually I opened up an, um, when I, for that time period, I was, I got saved uh, for a couple of years from seven to eight, mm-hmm. 2007, 2008, I was serving in the ministry called radical reality. We traveled across the country. So, Cool. Mainly Western, and uh, did some stuff in the schools and minister to the kids and and people, and um, that led me into open up a nutri shop mm-hmm. uh, down in Roseville that I ended up closing because um, just the 08 crash happened, the crash, and, yeah. and we ended up selling. And I said um, it was funny because I was actually on ended up getting a job with Comcast, and I was on the telephone pole, mm-hmm. and I fell off. Oh. And I was like, you know what? If I die on this job, my family's not going to get any money. Yeah. So I, I was like, you know what? I might as well just join the Army. Okay. And I've always wanted to do that ever since I was a kid. I love the military. And oh nine, I enlisted into, into the U.S. Army, okay. active duty. And then you got pulled a, away over to Afghanistan. Yes. And uh, lots of bad stuff going on over there, too. Yeah, it was, you know, a, a deployment, 12 months, mm-hmm. um, really desensitized us mm-hmm. out there. And then um, that wasn't really the, I don't know if it caused some back, you know, mem- I don't yeah, know what flashbacks or, yeah. But it caused some issues when we came back. Okay. And so what was the worst part was as soon as I got back, all those people I served with, I didn't serve with them anymore because I got stationed here in Fort Carson. Got it. And so I ended up, essentially I was by myself. Yeah. So and, you lost your, your comrades, mm-hmm. not to the war, but just they, they were deployed elsewhere. They were, we all got, well, they stayed in Fort Hood. I came here to Fort Carson all by myself. Okay. And that was probably one of the hardest things to do because we were so close. I mean, we were closer than brothers Yeah. during our time in Afghanistan. And um, yeah, we... I get here in 2012, and it's just <laughs> it's mayhem over here because they haven't opened up the brigade that we had. That's right. Yeah. And so I'm, you know, I'm helping out, and there's not too many of us, and I'm already dealing with the anxiety, yep, depression, stress, PTSD, PTSD and, coming yep. back from there, and um, I started self medicating with alcohol, mm-hmm. and that's when things just got really hairy, and that. Love for Christ that I had when I first got saved, it mm-hmm. seemed to go away. I don't know how I don't know how it goes away, but I got so desensitized when I was in Afghanistan mm-hmm. and in the army 
that I just kind of, I don't know, I just lost it. Yeah. And so I get back and I just start pounding the alcohol. Yeah. The enemy had his hands on you, but so did the Lord. Yes. And uh, we we are in the studio. We have an uh, someone who actually have seen angels. Uh, the story is in our publication. I want to encourage you to grab it at coloradomediagroup.com forward slash subscribe. Read this story, Victory Over Violence and Vices. And we're going to come back with Carlos and Valentina uh, for the second half here to discuss uh, more about what happened after Afghanistan. But before we go, on a slightly lighter and non-tangential note, when you're driving around town, Carlos, and you're giving thanks and you're just happy to be here, what are you jamming out to in the car? Fortunate Son by CCR. boy. that matter to you. AM 1460 and FM 101.1. The answer. And we're back. Second half of True North. I'm your host, Dirk Hobbs. Welcome back. We're sitting with Carlos and Valentina Figueroa. And uh, if you've listened to the first two segments, you understand this the poignancy of this story. It's just unbelievable. Uh, quick shout out to our friends at Ramos Law. Uh, they help us meet people like Carlos and Valentina and tell these amazing and inspiring stories. And, you know, this is not Disney. This is the real stuff. Um, these folks have been literally to hell. Uh, and back, and uh, not just once, but twice. <laughs> and um, Carlos, you know, you you got yeah, where we left off. You were coming back from Afghanistan. You got separated from uh, a lot of your peers. Uh, they went to Fort Hood. You came out here to Carson, and um, you were literally alone. I mean, yeah. you were starting over with friends and contacts and a life. And uh, now is Valentina with you this whole time? Oh, yes. Okay. So she's, uh, where were you when he was in Afghanistan? In Fort Hood. You were in Fort Fort Hood. With my daughter. And then you guys got transferred here. Yes. Okay. And it was just an arbitrary selection? How did that work? Uh, So, you know, everyone's up for PCS, but when you go to Fort Hood, especially in the aviation side, you're, um, (laughs) people stay there for years. Decades, yeah. 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. So I was expecting to do that. (laughs) And, um. You know, they PCS me over here. Mm-hmm. They thought it'd be a good idea, um, and there was no mental support when yeah. I got here. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing to refer back to. No, and no common one, experiences. Exactly, yeah. and so that was the kicker right there. I was I ended up trying to drink my way into remembering to reliving those good times I had with my my buddies and mm-hmm. um, kind of wash away the things that that haunted you know that, that haunted my mind and. Um, how bad did it get, Carlos? I mean, it wasn't horrible, horrible. I, from what I understand from all the, the EMRD, EMDR stuff I've done, it, it, a lot of it had to do with childhood trauma. Okay. So a lot of things came back up. And then being by myself, because I couldn't relate those things that me and my, my, my friends had done yeah. with my wife. And so I had to just kind of numb it all and, and um, you know, just 
be that drinking is what made me happy. Okay. Uh, for that time. Okay. And so, yeah. And you got real sick. So I, that was from 2012. I ended up being out of the army in 2014. Okay. Um, I was going to a, a ASAP program in the army. What um, is that? What is ASAP? I'll call substance abuse program. Got it. And they kind of um, pushed me out of it. Mm-hmm. They wanted me to just hightail it out of there because I was getting out. I said, well, I need help. You know, I'm, I drink like a fish, mm-hmm. you know, and I would drink at work. I would drink all day long. And it was probably the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. I hated that feeling. But um, and I just I got minimal help kind mm-hmm. of. Push me away. Yeah, you'll be all right. And mm. 2014, I get out, and I'm all by myself. And I'm sitting here like, what, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. So um, just kept on drinking, and that lasted for about, uh, I think, 2016 is when I really drank myself real bad. And mm-hmm. my wife ended up putting me in a mental hospital, mm-hmm. um, Cedar Springs. And they, um, I was in there with some guys that really tried to hurt themselves. Yeah. And I was in there like why am I here? You know, there was guys with cuts in their necks. They were trying to saw their heads off. And I was like, you know what? I can, I can do this. I can stop this. You know, this is not who I am. So I get out. It's okay for a couple of weeks. And I tell myself, Oh, well, you know, I can have a glass of wine here and there. No, that led back into it. Mm -hmm. And um, now I was, it became a lifestyle of drinking, Mm -hmm. like putting my shoes on, put my pants on. That's what drinking became. (laughs) That I was so, such a lifestyle thing for me and I hated it. I gained 120 pounds. I ended up getting diabetes from drinking because I would drink almost a gallon to two gallons a night oh, of wine. That's extraordinary. Yeah. Wow. Um, I lost my passion for fitness. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to the gym. I wasn't helping people. I mean, uh, that was my passion. Yeah. You were a former bodybuilder. Yeah. yeah. And so then 2021 comes around and the previous years after I was always pranced at God. I would sit, I would go into the King Supers parking lot there off Constitution, Mark Shuffle. And what's funny, we were just there yesterday and mm-hmm. I was, I remember sitting in that parking lot crying mm-hmm. and asking the Lord, I said, I don't want to, I don't want to drink anymore. I'm so tired of drinking. I'm so exhausted. Mm-hmm. The money, the time, the effort of sneaking around my wife, mm-hmm. you know, feel waking up feeling like junk, um, just not doing anything with my life. So, he, you know, be careful what you pray for, I always say, because he will answer them. He will answer that. Especially if it's for his will. Yeah. And so um, 2021 comes around, COVID's rampant everywhere. The Delta virus is out. Mm-hmm. I end up getting COVID, and I tell her, I'm going to the hospital. I can't breathe properly. Something's wrong. And so I go there. They tell me my SPO2 is like low 80s, almost 70s. And they're like, we need to get you on oxygen right now. Well, they tell me... Um, after a couple of days, you're not getting any better. We're going to have to put you on the ventilator. Mm-hmm. Me, I was just like, okay. You know, I just kind of agreed to it. I said, you know what, God, this is in your hands. I don't know what's going to happen. The rest. Um, did you think you were going to die, Carlos? I did. Okay. I thought that was it. And yeah, I, I just, it was the most confusing time of my life, actually. I, I didn't imagine. know what to think. I was like, I don't know if I should do this. Or I should just go home and die on my own. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, but we ended up agreeing to go on the ventilator, get intubated. They paralyzed me mm-hmm. um, because they thought I was going to wake up and rip everything out and start, you yep. know, mauling the the, the nurses or something. <laughs> I don't know. They, yeah. they had me strapped down yeah. to the bed and everything. So, oh. um, but uh, 
three weeks, I was intubated. I was on a ventilator. So at that same time, I'm also detoxing. Mm-hmm. And the doctors are like, they tell my wife, I don't, we don't think he's going to make it. He's got too much going on. He's got diabetes, high blood pressure. He's detoxing. Mm-hmm. His body can't fight the COVID and the pneumonia in his lungs. Both my lungs were filled with fluid. Oh, Carlos. And yes. they tell her on um, August. Uh, what was that? What day was, was that? Uh, Wednesday. Oh, actually, it was two years. Exactly. Two, two years, years from, from today. Today. They tell her, I'm not going to make it. They say, you have kids? They say, yeah, I have one. And they tell me. And they told me, you need to bring her, and they say goodbye to him because oh. we don't think, we don't know how many days he have, one, maybe two, maybe a week, but you need to bring her, and you need to go to talk to the somebody, they, mm-hmm. you know, make you ready for it. And I told, I told the lady, said, no, I don't want to do this, I don't. I my God is bigger than this thing, and I just walk away. I feel so bad for that lady, but I just walk away. Well, you may have changed her life with that very statement. So, so uh, my God is bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I told her well, that my well, God well, is bigger, and I don't need to bring my daughter. I don't bring. I don't need to talk to you about this. I, I have my God. Uh, and you went into that room, and that was. The day that day, so I walk away. I tell okay. the lady I walk away. So the next, because every day I have one hour mm-hmm. to, to come go visit him. and visit him. Mm-hmm. And every day for those three weeks, I come and pray. I massage his feet. Mm-hmm. He start praying and dance, and I put the worship music in his ear. And some the nurses okay with that. Some other they really mean to me. Why do you do that? You just supposed to be here quiet. And it's like mm-hmm. oh, I don't do nothing wrong, and I keep doing that. Yeah. So the next morning after I told the lady that I went to visit him, and oh no! And that night after I I left, I left. I thought, so I get in my knee and get in my in the house, and I got in my knee, and I feel like. This is creature from Lazarus. Mm-hmm. Lazarus. Lazarus. And, and I say, he God do that for Lazarus. He can do that for my husband. And oh, I, start, wow. I start praying to God. And then the morning I went over there and I feel like something. Mm-hmm. And start praying and put the, the worship music. But that day was different because we feel like, I feel like, I don't know how to explain, like power, like something wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Like, Around, around that place. The angels you saw. And no, the angels was like. Oh, so, <laughs> yet, sorry. so I started praying and, and like, like maybe 15 minutes, the, mu- the music and his ear and praying and dance. And he started the convulsion. And all those machines, I got so scared because I like a movie. All oh, those machines, yeah. like, beep, beep, la, la, yeah. and all this like. Because he was big, so like six mm-hmm. nurses and the doctor come to the room. What do you do to him? I said, what are you supposed to do? I'm here. It's, it's, you stress him in now uh, with that music and then that, that stuff. So they just push him up and they're trying to... Re- stabilize him. Yeah, yeah stabilize him. And say, you need to go, you need to go. And, and call, uh, no, but in that moment, with everyone is doing that. I close my eyes and start praying, and I see around the bed all these angels. And I know, I don't see Jesus, but I know he was there. 
occupy his bed. And all these angels, I see this big, 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 I know as angels, because I see the... The wings. The wings. So, and then they tell me, you need to go, you need to go find my heart. I know everything is going to be okay. So I called three hours later, and they told me, um, he's getting better. We don't know. We t- turned him around. He's in his stomach right now. He's a little better cold and the around 12 at night. Okay. When I call at 12, say, oh, his oxygen is getting better and better than this morning. Better. So yeah, from, from we witnessed a miracle. Yeah, <clears throat> that was a total miracle. That was... Um, so I ended up opening my eyes up <clears throat> August 11th, which is a couple of days from now. Yeah. And um, I had the tube in my mouth. And and um, I didn't know what was going on, but I, I everyone started telling me everything. And so that's when my oxygen started getting a lot better. I started – was the, that day, they are supposed to take the tube out of my mouth. And that's another supernatural thing that happened. The doctors were scheduled to take it out. But when they came in, the tube was out of my mouth. They don't know who did it. I couldn't have done it because my hands were tied to the bed. And yeah. your feet. Too. And my feet, too, were. And they came in, and the tube was out. Because I was in and out, so I don't remember who what happened. But the tube was literally sitting on my shoulder. And yeah. the doctors and nurses were like, who did this? And no one knew. No one stepped up. Yeah. Well, we're going to come back. If you're not on the edge of your feet, folks, you're not listening. Uh, or on the edge of your seat, I should say. We're here with Carlos and Valentina Figueroa, who have who have been blessed with the witnessing and experiencing of a miracle. We're back in a minute. One critical fact that needs to be established is that your injuries were caused by the accident incident you were involved in. For your case to have merit, it must be made clear that had you not been in the crash in the first place, you wouldn't have been hurt. This is one of the most important steps in the entire process, and leaving it to anyone but an expert is a serious mistake. Ramos Law, doctor, lawyer, partner, combining medical and legal knowledge for better outcomes for you. And we are back, uh, Southern Colorado. Glad you're with us. Uh, hope you were enjoying this story. And if you missed the last section, go back and listen to it because this next quarter will make a lot more sense to you when you do. Um, we are talking about victory over violence and vices. And I'm sitting here with Carlos and Valentina Figueroa. Uh, they are entrepreneurs and business people here in town. We'll get to that in a minute. They are parents of a lovely uh, young woman who has aspirations for the Air Force Academy. And... Um, they have been through a journey that literally you could write a movie about. This is a script, um, not to patronize your experience because it was profound. Um, but th- this is something that I think people can really tap into as far as you, you have been through some extraordinary experiences. And yeah. it's not always bad people that get wrapped up in bad stuff. Right. It's good people that get wrapped up in bad stuff because, right. you know, we're on Earth, we're secular, we have limited vision down here, mm-hmm. and we make dumb decisions. Exactly. And um, we all do, brother. Yes. So, but the fortunate thing about this whole story is the, the main strand is God is with this family, and he has his hands, he has his hands on all of us. Uh, but sometimes he really just grabbed you by the scruff of the neck and yeah. said, you're coming with me, son. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, <sir. laughs> um, and I love that because you're you're receptive to it, Carlos, and uh, you listen to something outside yourself. 
And that alone is an extraordinary gift. Yes. And then your wife, Valentina, who is praying for you, she's loving on you as a wife to, to who's, who's watching her husband fade away. Yes. Comes in and is praying over you, is playing worship music, and she finds herself in a circumstance that can barely be described, uh, where she is surrounded, you are surrounded by angels. Right. And then that tube, that incubation tube, intubation tube, is in your throat. I mean, it is down your throat. You are strapped down. There's no medical personnel in your room. But when they come back in, that tube is on your shoulder. Yes, that's something you don't pick up in the story uh, when you read it here, folks. But I want you to pick up on that because how does that happen? And there was an inquiry, and not that anybody was afraid to say that they took it out. It's just nobody took it out. Right. No, no human took it out. Exactly. So go from there. So, um, yeah, I one minute it's in, the next minute it's out. I'm in and out um, from what they what I'm told is that no one, the nurses or doctors, did not pull it out because they were scheduled to pull it out around three. I think it came out around one hmm. and they come in and there it is just sitting on my shoulder. And, um, you know, now I, I, I personally believe that God just wanted me to get the heck out of that <laughs> hospital and get to what he wants us to do for him. Yeah. Cause that's what he did. He, the whole purpose was to get me out of what I was in and put me back into the, to where he wants me to be back into the light. Yes. And so from there, um, they told me I was going to have about that was that was that miracle. And then they told me I was not because of the paralyzation and the oxygen suffocation and all that stuff that I might not be able to speak correctly. I might not be able to eat correctly yeah. for maybe six months. I might have brain damage for the rest of my life. I might probably be on oxygen for the rest of my life. I won't be able to walk for a year or so mm-hmm. properly. Definitely driving. driving. I couldn't drive. Yep. And I so, mean, your body been through a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, um, I said, I, when I started coming to and I started realizing what happened, and I realized God has given me a second chance, I said, you know what, Lord? I thought I was going to be paralyzed for the rest of my life. I thought that was it. I'm done. This is, this is who you're going to be for the rest of your life. And I said, God, I said, I'm sorry for what I've done. But I, no matter what, how, what situation or how my, I'm in, how my physical body is. I'm going to love you no matter what, and I'm going to serve you no matter what. Boom. And from that moment on, I felt this warm tingling inside, and mm-hmm. things just started moving. My my toes started moving, and, and now some spiritual stuff was going on there, too. I was seeing some other weird stuff, but that was like the most exciting part, mm-hmm. that I knew God started working in me and physically, and I started moving, and then the next day, I couldn't go to the restroom, so I, called, I told the nurse, I said, you know what, please give me a walker. I need to start walking right now. Mm-hmm. And my old army discipline, old army stuff started kicking back in. <laughs> I just got up, and God gave me the will to do it. And I literally was supposed to be in rehab for two to three, four months. I walked out. I woke up on August 11th. I walked out of the hospital, jumped into my big blue truck, <laughs> drove it away on August 25th. Wow. And the, the it was just it wasn't me. It was God. It was, it was just total healing miracle. Diabetes were gone. Blood pressure came back to normal. I lost that 120 pounds in the hospital. I was four. I was huge. I was four over four forty, four fifty, or something like that. Wow. And I lost all that weight in the hospital. And, um, I walked out of there and I said, you know what? God has a purpose for us. I mean, a real, uh, 
there was no time to waste after that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I would, from, I would imagine the medical personnel are, are watching this going, what just happened there? Well, my therapist came in. He said, well, first of all, you're a 7% chance. Uh, you had a 7% mm-hmm. chance of living. Second of all, you're not supposed to be walking right now. Yeah. And then they're like, how are you walking? I said, God, <laughs> I said, God, my old yeah. army, yeah, my old army, uh, training, uh, training, <laughs> yeah. motivation, you know? Sure. I, and so he, um, the therapist was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to discharge you here in a week. And you just, you, it's time for you to go home. Before your birthday. Before my birthday. Ah. <laughs> so, which is when, by the August way? August 26th. Okay. We'll shout that out next show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so what, what's been going on, man? So that once I got out of the hospital, they told me not to walk and don't be, be careful what you do. Well, the next day I got on my treadmill, I started walking. Yeah. Uh, they told me don't go do too much stuff. Uh, I started walking the next day. I think the week after I went up to the bar trail and saw and just went to go see what I can do a week later. Yeah. Oh, cause I knew, I, I knew, I knew God has some great thing. I knew he had some great things in store for us and I had to get in physical shape and mm-hmm. mental sh- and mental shape too. So I started going up the bar trail. I only made it maybe a couple, a couple of uh, razorbacks. And then, mm-hmm. you know, every week we'd go back and forth and do that. And then, um, it took me about a good six months to actually start um, running again, and then I started getting back into um, um, powerlifting and stuff like that, just to get my basics down. Mm-hmm. You know, bench, uh, squats, and and um, just stuff like that. So yep. get my basics down, and then from there, um, I started getting back into my fitness journey. And I felt like we felt like the Lord wanted us to start up, um, pay attention to our roofing business that we do have now. Mm-hmm. And also pay open up a nutrition store, which and, is uh, and, one you had in California. Yes, and so it's it's called NutriShop here in mm-hmm. Colorado Springs, and we that was going to be our ministry. Okay, that was going to be one of our ministries. God told us, and that's to give people hope, not just the veterans, but to everyone um, who's suffering from any type of illness. I mean, we're not doctors by any means, but right. I can share my story and tell you what God has done for me. And this is all new organic stuff. I mean, you, this this is not the GNC of the world. This is very different. No, I mean, we, we, we have your proteins and your stuff like that for working out for the younger generation. But we also have wellness, a lot of wellness stuff, too. Yeah. I like to focus uh, being healthy, uh, overall wellness as well. And so, um, but yeah, we do a lot of free um, free stuff there, a lot of free body composition scans. I'm a certified nutritionist. We do... Um, uh, do a lot of diet plans for people, helping people with managing stress and, uh, mm-hmm. and just all sorts of. And there's a great stress article in the publication. Uh, and Valentina, you you helped uh, coach us on this particular article. Uh, stress comes at a high cost, and and women pay a higher price. And uh, that's that's kind of your your mission right now. Uh, yes, I think. Women, we have a lot of stress with your kids, mm-hmm. with your husband, with your house, with a, and we have a have to control our stress. Mm-hmm. So we just we have some products over there can help you. Also, exercise, go breathe outside. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff you can do for your stress. Well, I want to encourage people to come meet you uh, because you're extraordinary people. And this this room has been filled uh, with the Holy Spirit. It's been filled with a wonderful story. How do folks get a hold of you? Uh, so we're um, 
We have a brick and mortar uh, store at 1758 Dublin Boulevard, right over by um, Sprouts in the Sprouts parking lot. Yeah, uh, Dublin Academy. It's a big church over there too, in there. Uh, yeah, the yeah. Peak Peak City Church. Peak City Church, and then yeah. right next to June Japanese Restaurant. Exactly, literally right next to it. Okay, and then our phone number is seven one nine three one three nine eight two six, and uh, we have a website too, uh, www.nutrishopcos.com. And we also have your Instagram and Facebook, a NutriShopCOS dot or NutriShopCOS okay, for Instagram. for the Instagram. Well, you guys have both blessed us with an extraordinary story. I hope our listeners were touched. Uh, how are you all doing now? We're blessed. We're just trying to do uh, what, the, what the Lord wants us to do. Um, we opened up a we have a ministry in Colombia and stuff, and we're helping out on kids, getting them fed, and ministering to them and their families and. Uh, we're trying to do that here as well, and we're just trying to do what the Lord wants us to do. And uh, you are listening and paying attention to I'm what tired. He's I'm sick and tired of doing what I, want, I always wanted to do, <laughs> so now we do what the Lord wants us to do. <laughs> I wish we could all, as a society, get there with it's you. It's a brother. lot easier. And what's the name of that little group down in uh, South America? It's uh, Emion Ministries International. Okay. And come back on and, and tell us when you're ready to stand that up. I will. Uh, give us a quick shout on the phone, and, and we'll get people to see what you guys are doing down there. So... Well, folks, uh, I've been blessed. I hope you have been blessed. Carlos and Valentina Figueroa have blessed us all today. And I want to encourage you to enjoy an absolutely beautiful day out there in Southern Colorado. And with that in your ears, I'm going to leave you with you twos. It's a beautiful day. Have a great weekend, everyone. You've been listening to True North. With your host, Dirk Hobbs, Saturday mornings at 8 on AM 1460 and FM 101.1. The answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.